<laughs> right, let's start by uh, opening scripture and opening God's word as we spend some of our time this morning together. So Emily very beautifully read for us this morning the passage we're going to be looking at. It's Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. So just give you a chance to find that. Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. It is up on the screen. should also have said good morning to those of you that are joining us online as well. It's lovely to have you with us this morning. So the shepherds and the angels. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, oh sorry, suddenly there with, was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them in heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they'd seen and heard as it had been told to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we <clears throat> come to open your word this morning, Lord, let uh, us just hear you in what we hear this morning, Lord. Thank you for the word. Thank you for this story. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, for us. And Lord, we just pray that you will bless uh, our time downstairs now. Lord, let my words be your words this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we spent the last two weeks thinking about the Advent uh, wreath and thinking about the hope of the prophets, which was based on candle number one. And candle number two was called, obviously, the Bethlehem candle, which Craig spoke about last week, which represented faith. And today we lit the third candle. And the third candle is known as the shepherd's candle, and this represents joy. And this morning we're going to look at the joy the shepherds had and how we can come and share the same joy that they did right then. Now my first question to you, because you know I love a question, so this is one of the ones where, you, as I say to you every time I stand up here, it's not one of these where you just sit and get talked at. Okay? I want you to think about what have you been joyful about in the last week. Just think about that for a second. What have you been joyful about in the last week? Jesus. Jesus, yeah, fantastic. Anyone brave enough to share potentially something that they may have been joyful with in the last week? Yes, snow, well done. Ah, oh, congratulations. Congratulations. 
<laughs> yeah. I, we, I did wonder last night whether anyone would share in the joy, potentially what could have been. But yes, a little bit of joy last night. Now, I want you to think about, obviously, you know, you may have had some joy in your week last week. As a family, we've got some amazing joy uh, that we've been able to share with different people. But I want you to think about that joy that you had. How did you share and communicate that with those that are around you? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Is that sense of joy something that you just held onto and treasured for yourself? Or is that sense of joy something that you quite openly shared with those that you were around? How did you spread that joy? Now, the Christmas season is great, isn't it? Yes, that's ridiculous. Come on. You've got to remember. When I'm up here, you've got to take part. Okay? The Christmas season is brilliant. It's special for many different reasons, from a church context, but from a family context. Just the fact that I get to sit down with my kids and introduce them to Christmas films at this time of year, Christmas music, is just brilliant. Hands up if you've watched some Christmas films already. Yes. Absolutely, I've introduced them into the uh, realms of Home Alone over the last few weeks. Brilliant set of films. And one thing, that, one film that we always tend to come back to, which is one of my favourites, is the film Elf. Yeah, there's some people that like that film here. Okay, and one of my favourite lines, there's loads of favourite lines in there, but actually the one that probably resonates with me a, a lot is this. It says, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Exactly. Some of you are sat there mouthing those words with me. Well done, that row over there, fans of else. Okay. And today, we, what we want to look at, what I want to go through with you, is how the shepherd's joy needs to be and can be and must be our joy in this Christmas period, but also going further forward. Now, I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine for a second. Now, I couldn't bring this person necessarily here with me, but I want you to imagine a 17-year-old. Pretty good looking 17 year old. If we can have the picture up on the screen, Sam. There he is. Now I couldn't bring 17 year old me. So don't laugh at that. <laughs> okay. Oh, go back. Oi, oi, oi. Too fast. I couldn't bring 17 year old me to the service this morning. You've got 36 year old me, so probably less hair, far more wrinkles. But what I wanted to do, I wanted to set a scene for you because. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've been in a context like the shepherds have before, where you've been in the middle of nowhere in a field. Now, this is me at 17. Like I said, I went on a trip to Mongolia. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful country. Go to the next one for me, Sam. Because what happens is, in our first verse, okay, verse 18 sets the scene for us. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, I wasn't out there farming. So don't get under no illusions am I going to stand and say that I was a farmer, because I'm not. But what I wanted to just highlight to you is actually, where we live is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely beautiful. But actually, there are parts of this world that are so untouched, so gorgeous, that as I sat there preparing, I was like, do you know what? I haven't been a farmer. I'm never going to be a farmer. But I've had a slight experience about perhaps what being a farmer in that field at that point meant bit when I was 17. So I just wanted to just display for you, actually, you know, God's beauty is just amazing. If we go on to the next one. So here we are. The, sh the shepherds are out in the field. Oh, too far. Thank you. The shepherds are out in their field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And it's a great opening to this part of the Christmas story. 
absolutely great opening. It gives us enough detail, but not the specifics as to where, or to, sorry, of what exactly, whereabouts in the fields they were and what the weather was like at the time. We have to use our imagination on that a little bit. And you might be thinking, because I certainly thought, like, why the shepherds? Why did God at that moment decide to choose the shepherds of all people? Was it because they were the closest people to Bethlehem at the time? Who knows? Was it because actually God or Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd? No idea. Maybe God has a special place in his heart for shepherds because as we hear, God came to Moses, David and Jacob, all shepherds. Shepherds' social standing at the time, they were social outcasts. They were considered unclean because of the basis of the work that they did. And the fact that the, the angels came to the shepherds and that God chose the shepherds, if we were living in biblical times, perhaps would shock us a little bit because they were at the lowest rung of society. However, it shouldn't shock us. We shouldn't be shocked by that because as we know, years and years and years on, that he came to save, Jesus came to save sinners like me and sinners like us. The shepherds teach us that Jesus came for sinners. Verse 8 says, we are so, oh, in verse 8, sorry. We are so far removed from this culture that obviously Jesus coming down to the shepherds wouldn't have stuck out to us. But have you ever met a real shepherd before? Have you ever met a real shepherd? So, a few hands. I've never met a real shepherd, but I've met people like this. These are horse wranglers, Mongolian horse wranglers. Okay, not quite shepherds, but very, very similar. But these guys weren't anything like what I would imagine shepherds to have been in biblical times. But shepherds in those days were someone who lives out in a field with their flocks by night. A shepherd, as I've said, would have been an outcast. It would have been one of the lowest roles you could have imagined in Jewish life. It wasn't glamorous. And you would be forgiven to think that the story perhaps would have started something like this. And in the same region... There were kings and scholars looking at scrolls in the reading chambers within the biggest palace in Bethlehem. And we would expect the angel to perhaps come down to them if we were in those sorts of times. But this isn't the story. This isn't how God decided to show himself at this moment at that time. And I find it just amazing and ironic just at how God deliberately chose to reveal himself to what was considered to be the lowest of the low at that time. And God's amazing like that. God came, and Jesus came to save outcasts. He came to save sinners. The shepherds aren't in this story because they're the only ones there, nor because actually it would make quite a nice nativity scene. But because God sent Jesus for us all. And as I mentioned, it would be very easy to have expected the king of kings to be revealed to the royalty at the time. But as we know, he wasn't. Verse 9 tells us this. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, can you imagine being out in the fields at that time? You're there, by the fire, small, maybe big. Don't know if it's cold. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, ta-da! The angel pops out. Mind blown. 
Now again, I can't sit here or stand here and tell you that I've had the same experience because I haven't. The only thing I can liken it to is, uh, as I've told you before, I do a lot of cycling. And uh, there's a few times uh, in the sort of winter months where I've been cycling from school and it's pitch black, absolutely pitch black. And I've got my big bright lights on in the front of my bike, cycling along, going through uh, Carterton, Bride Norton, round the back of Ducklington. And it's just dead, dead still. And there's a few times I've been absolutely spooked <coughs> because a bar now has just gone shh. That's the only thing that I can liken that to. In the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden, <coughs> out of nowhere, this comes. I wonder how you'd feel in that moment. How would you feel in that moment? You sat there with your mates, probably talking about not the football, but perhaps talking about the day, maybe about your family. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this angel of the Lord comes down. It's hard to think how the shepherds must have felt, as I said, unless you've had the exact same experience. Maybe you have. But we're told the first words the angel said to them in verse 10 was, fear not. Pretty hard in that moment, right? Out of nowhere, as I've said, boom, there comes the angel. The first words, fear not. <laughs> You're laughing because, yeah, that would, the natural thing would be, ah, wouldn't it? But fear not. And God is brilliant like this. It's absolutely brilliant. Because many, many times in the Bible, when he reveals himself, we are told not to fear and do not be afraid. Genesis 15:1 says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Joshua 10:8 says this, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I've given uh, them into your hands. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. And Jeremiah 30, 10 says, So do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel, declares the Lord. He goes on to talk a little bit more. But I love how the fact that God, when he reveals himself to us, his first words are, do not be afraid or do not fear. Because our natural response is to do that, isn't it? Our natural response when something is scary or we're taken aback is to fear at that moment in time. And that just shows his real father-like presence, where his first thought to us is about making sure that we're okay, making sure those shepherds are all right, rather than just getting to what he wants to say. So the angel then goes on, thanks Sam, to say, For behold, I bring uh, you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now I don't want to talk too much about this, because uh, Jeremy's going to be speaking to us about the angel at the carol service. But within this brief little message, there are two key points here. I bring you good news of great joy, and I've also picked out, and will be for all people. So the news of great joy, in the following verses, we get to hear the finer details about who Jesus is and where they may find him. So we'll be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And for all people, as we've mentioned, the fact that God chose to go to the bottom of society's ladder in those times tells us that Jesus wasn't for kings and royalty, wasn't for priests or rabbis, but
but for all people. And the angel was really clear on this in what they say. Now I'd imagine at this point, okay, the shepherd's heart rate must have literally just about started to come down to where you and I are now. Only for then, as we go on to read, that a multitude of the heavenly host appear from nowhere, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, among people with whom he is pleased. Wow. Cardiac arrest time, probably. My goodness. As I said, they've had that initial experience of the encounter of God. Things have settled. And then out of nowhere, we're not told how many that multitude is. Now, I like to think that the sky was absolutely ablaze with angels. That out of nowhere, like I said, this whole company of heavenly hosts come down to earth and start saying and praising God with those words, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, I don't know. I say that word a lot. I don't know because I don't. If you've ever had the uh, privilege of singing in a choir. Yes, maybe not. Okay, now obviously I have a, I'm, I'm a very privileged person in the fact that as a music teacher, that's kind of like very much bread and butter. In the same way that obviously as a worship leader and in the worship band on a Sunday morning, we stand here and we all collectively sing together. And there is absolute power in just voices alone. I don't know if you've ever been to like Wembley Stadium or Twickenham. Okay, I've been to both and it's, oh my goodness, when that crowd really gets going, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. The hairs on your arms stand up and you think, gosh, what an amazing sound. As I said, it's the same for a choir. At school, we've got a community choir because we've got a concert next week. And we're singing the Hallelujah Chorus. My goodness. The piano part's ridiculously hard, by the way. But when they get going, there's no Tuesday night practice where I'm not literally like hairs on the end. Because the power of what people are singing. And obviously we're singing about, you know, hallelujah. But I just think, back in that time, how could you not, obviously be slightly scared to start off with, but the joy that the heavenly host and the multitude bring down at that point, it would be very difficult to not be inspired at that minute. Once you get past that initial fear. Because the angels were very publicly worshipping God right there and then in front of the shepherds. The angel's joy was beginning to rub off onto the shepherds at that point. The joy and praise of God of what they were told was beginning to spread to the shepherds. That osmosis effect. Hopefully I got my science terminology right. Rubbing off one joy to another. We have that old, old song, one shall tell another and he shall tell his friend. It works like that. I also quite like how Luke very casually puts in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see that this thing has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I'm pretty sure that wasn't the first thing that they said. <laughs> I might be wrong. And, you know, when I get to heaven, I shall ask Luke and just say, was that genuinely the first thing they said? Because they've experienced, my goodness, what an evening they've had already. Not just one angel, but then a magnitude of them. And as I said, I'm sure they've discussed more than this 
but the servant-heartedness of those shepherds shines through as they carry out the task that the angel has given to them. And what a task that is. What a task. You know, you've settled down for the night, you think that's it, then obviously angel number one comes out. Angels, a whole heavenly host, come down to you, and then you're given that mission about going to find the baby and to try and find the child that's been described. But I also love the haste in which they went. They would have been absolutely buzzing, I'm sure, with excitement about what had happened. The adrenaline would have been flowing from the fear of the initial interaction with the first angel. And then finally, the buzz of the mission that they'd been sent on. Can you imagine being them at this point now? Evening-wise, it would have been like this. Up, down, up, down, up, down. But what a story for those shepherds to tell future generations. What a story. So they go off on this mission. And at this point, Mary and Joseph have settled Jesus, I like to think. They've settled him down. And then I'm sure are interrupted with the excitement that the shepherds enter and tell them of what has happened at this point. And we know what the impact this has on Mary, because in verse 19 it says this, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I mean, I've talked about the imagining the experience of the shepherds, but just imagine if you're Mary right now, at this point. Not only have you had an angel come to you and tell you that you're going to bear God's son, but you've now had the shepherds come and share their experience with you. And the Bible tells us a bit about this experience for Mary, as I've said. Look at the verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That's an understatement, isn't it? She must be like absolutely just, oh my goodness. What on earth is going on? How lucky am I to be part of this? Mary must have been in awe of all of this, but I guess shaken too. But in a good way. She was part of God's master plan. She was part of God's master plan. And God's master plan was to save us. The things that she'd been told earlier were coming to pass, that the baby she'd given birth to was God's son. Wow. And we're then told in verse 20 that the shepherds returned. So verse 20 says this, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now I know I've said it already, but what an evening for those guys. What a time to be one of those shepherds. What an experience and what a message to have been given. Everything that was prophesied concerning Jesus was starting to come true. And specifically, everything the angels had just told the shepherds had come to be true too. The glories of God were on full display through that baby, Jesus Christ. The shepherds came and saw the glories of Jesus and they couldn't help but glorify and praise God and tell others about this amazing experience. I want you to ponder for a minute. I want you to ponder in the same way that Mary did. Have you come to Jesus? Don't need an answer on that one. It's very much between you and him. Have you seen his glories? 
Has it changed your life? Who have you told about your experience with Jesus? Say that again. Have you come to Jesus? Have you seen his glories? How has it changed your life? And what have you told, oh sorry, who have you told about your experience with Jesus? This is not just a baby. This is not just a man that would give his life. This is the son of God and God himself. He is the greatest gift the world has ever seen. He is worthy in glory of all glory and praise. If I could ask the band to come up please, that would be great. Now, how do we share in the shepherd's joy? Well, this is my thoughts on this. Thanks, Sam. So, first of all, Jay. Thanks, Sam. Jesus was for everyone. The angel's message told us this, and the Bible tells us this. The angel's message was really clear that Jesus came for us all. For the person who has their life together, for the person who doesn't have their life together, for the person in prison, for the person who doesn't yet believe, for the CEO of a big company, for the person at the bottom rung of the same company, for those shepherds, and for me, and for you. John John 3.16, as we know, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was and is for everyone. Oh, his obedience. The shepherds were given a mission, thanks Sam, of finding the Christ child, and they did. We need to ensure that we are not only praying to God, but listening to him for what he wants us to do in life. And the Bible tells us as part of that obedience to go and make disciples of all people by telling them the good news, just like the shepherds did. The good news of how God has changed our life, how God is working in our life. Matthew 11, uh, sorry, Matthew 28, 16 to 20 says this. Then even, then, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, they worshipped him and some doubted. Then Jesus came to them saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission. Acts 1, 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here Jesus calls the disciples his witnesses, urging them to share the things they've seen and heard in his presence. Now as we do that obedience, just like the shepherd, as we make disciples, we can not only share, or we can can share not only, sorry, the accounts of what the disciples saw and what the Bible tells us, but we share our own personal accounts of what we've experienced as we follow Jesus. And why? That's a slightly harder one. So I went with this. Yell it out. (laughs) Yell it out. The shepherds left this encounter praising the one true God. 
And we need to be like that child at Christmas, discovering Father Christmas has been. The joy and the, in their face and the excitement to tell others. As I described to you this morning, when that blind went up, and I'm not talking about myself now, but the excitement my two had to see that it was snowing. That natural, genuine, just deep joy that we've all encountered at some point, that perhaps, maybe, over the years, has just faded away. We've got to bring that back. We've got to bring that back. Now, how do we apply this in the time we live now? Because, yes, we've got Jesus is and was for everyone. The shepherds were obedient to what they were asked to do, and we want to, use of a better word, yell it out. But how do you lean from here, spreading that same joy of Jesus? These are only a few ways. By verbally telling other folks. That's really, I say that's really easy. I know for some of us that's really easy, and for some of us that's a struggle. But just opening our mouth to tell uh, others about Jesus. A really simple way is inviting them to things. Like the live nativity, like the carol service. Like the kids in service that we've got next week. Invite them to it. Get them to be able to see the joy that God has brought in Jesus at this time. The power of social media. Whether you like that or not. And I stand here as a teacher kind of going very two ways on this. But social media is such a powerful giant. For good, but also for negativity. But you don't know the one thing that you post on there. The little bit, that could be the church flyer. It could be a verse. It could be something. That will resonate, I'm sure, with one person. That one person may not yet know Christ. And also in the way that we are. I've said this before, people will look at us think I want a bit of what that person's got what has that person got well I can tell you what I've got I've got Jesus so I really want to encourage you on those things this morning let's pray Heavenly Father I just want to thank you for my brothers and sisters here this morning Lord, I thank you that we can come and listen to your word. And Lord, I pray that as we leave today, that you will challenge us, just like you did those shepherds years and years and years ago, to spread that joy, spread the news that a baby's been born. Lord, I pray that you'll give us courage to do that. You've told us, fear not, do not be afraid, because you will be with us. And Lord, I pray that as we go out this week, in conversations we have, we know you've gone before us. Lord, give us the right words to say at the right time. Give us that bravery to say, do you know what? We've got a kid's service next Sunday, really accessible. Why don't you come along? got a carol service, we've got the pathway service. But let me just talk to you about Jesus. So Father, I just pray that as we are in 2022, soon to be 2023, that Lord, you will give us the same passion and excitement that those shepherds had back there and there, hearing that a Christ child had been born. 
Lord, we thank you for that absolute joy. Absolute joy. And we pray that we will be able to pass that joy on to generations to come.